Hello and welcome to this special mini-series of Love Life, Live Well. This series was inspired by an event that I organise every year in the UK called CHS Leads. It's a trade show for the meetings and events industry that brings together people from all over the UK to do business, network and learn from our education programme. This year, the education programme was curated around the theme of work life, so it fits perfectly with the Love Life, Live Well podcast. This mini-series consists of interviews with some of our speakers, allowing me to take a deeper dive into some of the subjects covered. Don't worry if you weren't there, the speakers were great, and you will still have lots to learn from the content we cover in this mini-series. If you were there, fantastic. Thank you for coming. I hope you enjoyed all the speaker sessions and I hope you also enjoy this deeper dive into some of the subjects we covered. Now, I may have to ask you for your patience and forgiveness on some of these episodes. We recorded them at a live event, so at times you will hear people in the background networking and generally having fun. On occasion, I might not be as clear as my guests, but if you can bear through it, I think we'll be inspired, entertained and definitely educated. And if you're completely new to the Love Life Live Well podcast and you enjoy it, please do give us a five-star rating and don't forget to subscribe by hitting the follow button. And as always, my wish is that you learn something new, you try something new and above all else, you love life and you remember to live well. In this episode, I speak to Sean Saywood from Intel, who are an amazing company here in the UK. Sean spoke at CHS Leeds about work life and office life. Her talk was about setting the scene for modern working, career development and happiness. Afterwards, I caught up with Sean and we talk about ripping up the rule book. She tells me about a fresh new approach to building a company culture. I was so inspired after speaking to Sharon, and I promise you, after listening to this episode, you'll be inspired too. So I'm here with Sharon Saywood from Intel, and Sharon, you've just done a great panel session all around, well, our subject for the day is, is work-life balance. I'm just going to dig a bit deeper, because you talked about trust quite a bit, so I'm going to come on to that, but before we do, let me ask you, what is it that you love about life? I mean, that's a huge question, right? That's a huge question. And I think right now for me, I think I'm well aware of I'm in a pretty privileged position. I get to do a lot of things that some people never get to do. That doesn't mean you haven't worked hard to get there. But for me, I have managed to find the, just the right balance of the job I love for a company that I love, kids that are a little bit older now, which makes life a little bit different. Um, and a little bit easier because you can go out without them, which is great. Absolutely. Um, and I think for me, it is, you know, I have a friendship group. I mean, a, a really good place. And I think that comes from that support network that you have. And I think there's a lot of things about oh, resilience and doing it on your own. And as women, we have to break through the barriers by ourselves. That's, actually, I don't believe in that. I don't think you can do that by yourself. I think you do it with a lot of good people. And yeah, I'm really lucky, I think. Like, I love my life, and I'm, I'm very proud to say that. Yeah, no, good for you. I love that. And it's, that saying is like, you know, it takes a village. Oh, and it does, you know, and, yeah. and I think, especially for the last few years, we all know that we need that yeah. support network. You know, it, yeah. 
And I used to say, you know, I used to be, I used to be one of those women that would be like, oh, I'm, resilience is my superpower and I do it all by myself. And I actually think, what an absolute idiot, because that is not true. And also, how am I coping with all that and not breaking? And we're talking about the well-being, peace and everything. To be that strong, you can't do that by yourself. You can't just build everything yourself. And to take a step back, and that's quite, quite kind of therapeutic to go, oh, it's all right to ask for help. I'm, I'm confident enough to go, can't do something. Yeah. And that's hard. Is it? As a female who doesn't want to show weak, then you don't want to do that. But actually, I think it's much stronger to say, yeah, can't do something than to try and do it on your own. Absolutely, absolutely. That brings me to my next question then. So what do you do to live well and to look mm-hmm. after yourself? So I am quite good at decompartmentalising. So my work is my work. My home is my home. My friends are my friends. And they, they, they do cross over, but I'm, I'm very clear on the work-life balance or the balance of life actually because it's not actually about just work and life there's a million things that go in the middle of that which you know is the grey area but I do make sure there's time I will always have a day in my diary where there are no meetings no calls no nothing that's every week and you have to have that time because we are so on the go every you know I travel every week I'm away every week there's also time that we also put in for quality time with the kids. My, my kids are older. They do not want to spend every day of every waking hour with me. In fact, they would be horrified if I suggested, let's go family time. But what we do is we have an evening, one, one evening a weekend where we are. There's no phones, there's no tech. They have to unplug. They're teenage boys. They have to give up the, the gaming for two hours. It's painful. painful. I can imagine. Um, but, the, but now it's actually, and we enjoy time together. Yeah. That. And we do make time for your friends, have different friendship groups. I read a lot, I do, you know, lucky, I, I go for walks. Walk, I started walking during COVID, but like, I am not a gym person. I, you know, people who know me, I'm not running. Any, you know, there's no marathons I'm totally in my, with you on that. There's no marathons in my future. <laughs> I love going for walks and I walk every day. And it's just 20 minutes. And it is that, it's that find some green. I know that sounds really tweed, doesn't it? But the green actually does bring it out in you and that, you know, you read all the books on it and stuff, but it does actually work. And I, even if it's raining or drizzling and stuff like that, that 20 minutes of resetting just makes all the difference completely and I, you know you have to do what's in your wheelhouse you know what works for one doesn't work for the other I'm not going to preach anyone and I take time and we do we spend time together but it's quality time that I want to see and I think that's what you realise I think people get confused oh, I have to spend all my time doing this but actually you don't Life runs at really fast pace. It does. Really fast pace. So like this week, I am out pretty much every day this week. I have no plans this weekend. No plans. At all. Yeah, I, that's to, one of my favourite things. On a weekend, but I have nothing to nothing do tomorrow. To do. And I will be, you know, I'm the, I get my shopping delivered because I, I don't want to do that I, I, at 43. My mum comes and does my ironing on a Monday and I'm not ashamed to say it because I don't have time to do it. So I'm not afraid to ask for that little bit of help and stuff because then it does give you time. Look, I think there's so many people who feel a sense of I'm failing if I need help around the house. Like, well, actually, if you've got your own business and you need to employ somebody, that's not a sign of failure, that's a sign of success that you're growing. It's not a bad thing. And if you can be more effective in your life because you have some support, that's totally okay. I will take all the support I can possibly get wherever it comes from because that's how my life then is done. I'm not ashamed of that. And also, I think that's teaching our kids that, you know, to be successful, it's okay to then have things and it's okay to get nice things. 
we also give a huge amount back. You know, I volunteer for a special education needs charity as well, so that's as a legal advocate. So I don't feel like I'm being guilty by taking the things that make me successful because we give a huge amount back. You know, Absolutely. Like chair of theme and things like that. They're all voluntary roles. We do all of that. You can't then let something drop at home because that's not fair either, is it? Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So onto the subject of trust, because mm-hmm. you talked about, you know, you, you've kind of ripped up the rule book mm-hmm. a little bit, haven't you, at Intel? Yeah. You talked about, well, the focus on retention, really. Yeah. You know, and, and we have got an issue around keeping people. Yeah. So when someone comes to work for you, your philosophy is we'll trust them 100 yeah. percent and it's it's theirs to lose. Yeah. Now that's all well and good written in a handbook. Yeah. How does it work in practice? Like what has to happen for you to show somebody that you trust them? So it starts with the hiring process. We you know we spend a lot of time with our management team and, and the people that are doing the interviews in what to look for and it, we, we don't interview based on the series of questions and things like that. We do quite a lot of personality bits and, and see how they're going to fit with the team. So if you've got the hiring process right and you've worked on that bit, there's no reason why you shouldn't trust someone that you've employed because you invested that time already in the interview process and the recruitment process. So once they start, things like we're about to probation periods and stuff like that, I mean, they're horrible. The word probation is awful. I mean, it just it's juvenile and it's childish. So... You don't need to be on probation when you start. There is still, you know, as an employer, you're still looking out. You still have performance management. You still have all the levers you can pull. You don't have to tell someone they're on probation, and that, that just makes them. I think that makes people feel really nervous the whole time they're on it. Some people have it for six months or twelve months, and you think you don't know by the time you hire someone whether they're going to make it. You shouldn't be hiring them. You should know yeah. at that point. It's got, it has got negative connotations, hasn't it? And it's that sense of like temporary, I know. you know, you're not you're not one of us until you pass this. We period. might have hired you on because we're not sure, and then it's a mechanism for getting rid of people, which I think is awful. I think it's horrible. So I don't, I don't I'm not a fan. Yeah, and actually, if somebody isn't performing or they're not a, a culture fit, you can let them go anyway. You, you don't need to have that. Oh, you, you don't have the stigma, and, yeah. and then it's like you know you can't earn, you can't start working towards your KPIs, and you can't you don't get your benefits from day one if you're on probation. Crap, like you work for us, you should have day one benefits. As long as it's legislative, if there's something you can't give, you haven't been there for long enough, fine. But we should give everything, and it's yours it's your to lose. So we talk a lot about we, we love to give people a lot of freedom. We're not perfect yet, this is you know, this is an ongoing process, there's still stuff that we have to change. But if we're giving people that freedom, then I talk a lot about all we ask in back is that personal responsibility because we aren't employing children, these are adults, whether they're young adults or not, coming into the workplace. We help them through that transition. If this is their first job, we tell them what that means. Like, you will be allowed to work from home and you can be flexible and you can go on trips and you get to do all of this stuff, but you are, you're representing us, personal responsibility. There's still levers you can put if someone lets you down. Yeah. Trust is theirs to break. We're very, very lucky that that happens almost never. Yeah, I'll come actually on that. What if someone does make a mistake? So let's just be practical. Yeah. We're in an industry where you go on fun trips. Yeah. And imagine being fresh out of university, going on your first fun trip. There's lots of exciting stuff mm-hmm. to enjoy. Alcohol being one of them. Yeah. So if somebody, you know, I guess there's a, there's a spectrum, isn't there? Gets a bit drunk and needs a bit of a hand getting time to go to bed now. And then there's drunk and not pretty drunk and abusive yeah. or possibly yeah. that life. But do you have that sense of, yeah, okay, you do it once, we need to educate you more, mm-hmm. that's not okay, and then we'll talk about it. Or is it, do you have like a... No, and this is where I think where we are, we, we're different because you can have a policy 
Like you have a written policy in the handbook that everyone has to follow, but that's not really treating everyone very fairly because you might have someone that just makes one a mistake that hasn't wasn't derogatory. It was just a little bit merry. And we're in an industry that is we're in hospitality, right? And you you know you know you have a chat and you, you mentor them in that situation. If you've had someone that has been abusive or violent or something, that that's a completely different situation, and that would have a different set of consequences. But we guide them, so I wouldn't send someone out on a fan trip without one of our team going right. This is what happens. Like we will tell them, we will give them the good, bad, and ugly. You will get drinks. It's your choice. But then you have to think about what happens when you come back into the office. So again, giving them the responsibility to make those choices. In our travel policy, but you know when people are travelling, they can have alcohol. They can spend their whole allowance on alcohol if they want. See so what happens to them when they're coming in the morning. Yeah. You know, if they're then not performing, if they're letting us down, that that have a thing. But we don't have that because they know they could. No one ever does. Well, no, no one ever does. does. My kind of rule is, drink as much as you want. Yeah. Stay out as late as you want, but you'll be on your yeah, station yeah. at yeah. seven, eight, nine, whatever the time yeah. is the following morning, and that's when it's an issue. Because yeah. I, I'm quite—I think we all can have a do it. We've got quite a bit of stamina. We can like yeah. we can stay out till midnight, one, two in the morning, and still be awake. For, I mean, at this age, it probably takes three days to recover now, but we can still that, do it. That's why we like, like our weekends <laughs> nothing to do. It's like yeah. just sleeping time, recovery time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But getting back to this yeah. thing about Tristan, like in your role, mm. how do you feel, Tristan? So. I think that the trust is there from day one. So I, have, well, I only report into our CEO from the director level. I inherently know that he trusts me because one, I've never given him a reason not to, which you know, and he's never given me a reason not to trust him either. You know, that trust goes both ways. Yeah. And I think I know where the limits and the boundaries are, even though they're not written, they don't need to be in black and white. I know exactly what I can and can't do on behalf of Intel and for, for Beam, you know, as a government director, that's even probably more important because you're, we're managing other people's money and, and memberships and yeah. that, it's even more important that they trust us and do what we're saying we do. But I think it, it comes alongside that respect, doesn't it? You know, you, are, you do earn it, and I say we trust from day one, but actually there's a little bit that, that comes with that you earn at a very, very senior level. You earn that trust as you go through. And it, that's human nature. I think, you know, changing people's mindsets to say you have to trust this person because they want is not easy. Because inherently, we don't like to trust anyone. But hu- yeah. human nature is, I'm going to wait, I'm waiting for you to do something wrong. So you kind of have to not wait. Because you can, you're then constantly, that's when all the policies and the rule books and everything come out and you go, oh, well, what's the, you know, did you come in wearing flip-flops today? So I don't know, I'm going to look through. Okay, don't fall down the stairs. You're an adult, if you're wearing flip-flops, don't fall, look where you're going. I don't need to tell you in my handbook not to wear them. Yeah, you know, I'd like to think no one's going to turn up naked or wearing something that we can see, you know. But some people just it, really don't. Yeah. I mean, I know we had an apprentice once who came to the build-up day for the show wearing up until mm-hmm. sandals like you can't no, go into the hall no you, know, we, you can't wear a high fizz jacket and then up into a sandal with no. a two dog and that's the thing you know you yeah. have to go within the reams of what you're doing but people so, an element of educating yes. people isn't there because yeah. it's, she didn't do that wanting to be health and safety hazard no. it's just hey it's it's a hot day. yeah it's yeah. knowing any different and that education is and really I, hot. I think that's the, that's the difference here so in that situation the, the kind of the information you would have given her to start with 
would have been very different to someone who's done the show with you for five years running because you don't need to send them the rules, right? Absolutely. And this is what we were saying about trust and everything. We trust everyone with the basics from day one. Am I going to trust someone to run a £100,000 event from day one? No, but that's not because I don't trust them as a person. It's because they don't have, we haven't given them the tools to do it. And I think that's the difference comes. Yeah. We trust them as a person to do everything they can to work for us, be the best that they can. We don't not trust them to do something if we haven't told them how to do it or shown them how to do it. And I think trust is too big a topic to just go, trust you with everything, have the keys to the to the finance cupboard, you can have what you like. No one's going to take anything, but they won't know what to do with it. Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah, it's a good like, clarification yeah. of trusting someone as an individual yeah. and then equipping them to do a certain yes. job and then, and then trusting them, them with that it. job. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the difference. Trust is like the whole huge piece, isn't it? Absolutely. But yeah, you have to trust them as an individual that they can do their very best. And also that they trust in you to do your best by them. Yeah. It is a massive two-way street because they're, they're putting, you know, work is the biggest part of our lives for most of us, especially at that entry level. It can be all-consuming. They have to put their trust in you as an employer, that you have their best interests at heart and it's not all about the business. And that's, that's another mindset change. As an industry, we're not always very good at that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it's a whole different podcast as well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you ever so much for joining me, Sean, and uh, thank you for having me. me. Yeah, thank you for this conversation. A big thank you for speaking at the show. I really enjoyed yourself. No, I loved it. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you.